Lord, we thank you for bringing us here this morning. God, it's not by accident, Lord, but it's by arrangement. God, you have appointed us to be here because you want to minister to us. You, you want us to come and seek you and find you. You want us to be where you are right now in the, in the midst of your people. Uh, as we've been worshiping, I just felt your presence, God. And Lord, I know you're here and you want to speak to us and you want to be here for us and you want to change us. So today, God, we just want to put our attention upon you as we get into your word now. And I ask that in this study of word that that you would anoint it with your spirit, that you would fill us with your spirit even now to give us understanding, Lord, of what you have to say and what the word says. And Lord, help us to believe God and help us to accept the things that you are showing to us that we may respond in application in our lives. So God, move upon us, anoint this time, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen, amen. I read about nine-year-old Ellie Garcia. She was one of the 19 children tragically murdered at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas last week. I'm sure you've all been following the news and have heard about that. Well, Ellie Garcia was one of the children, nine years old. Well, her father shares how Ellie loved to pray. Every night, she would pray out loud and with her hands folded. And then uh, Ellie Garcia, her father said, died about one week before her 10th birthday. And what seems to be her last video of herself, this was uh, posted on TikTok. And this is what she said. And this is what I really want to bring to you. This is a nine-year-old girl who prayed every night. This is what she said on the video. Hey guys, I just wanted to give you a little ketchup. Jesus, he died for us. So when we die, we'll be up there with him. In my room, I have three pictures of him. That was on her video. I was really touched. Because you know what I was thinking? Well, right now, Ellie sees her Savior face to face. What an impact this last video must have been. I mean, I pray, and hopefully, as different news agencies pick this up and pick up this story and put it on their site, that maybe people will hear her last message, basically, and come to Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be awesome that the Lord would use her in that way? Well, you know what? That's similar to what we're looking at here in Revelation 22. As we come to this last study of this book in Revelation... God reaches out with really his last written message in the Bible. And I believe the hope is is that we will all hear God's final plea. Remember, that's the title of our message. We are in part two today. Uh, Last week was God's final plea, part one. And this morning we come to part two. We're going to finish this this whole section off, the revelation off, and even the Bible, uh, so to speak. And we're going to be studying Revelation chapter 22 from verse 18 through 21. And we're going to finish off the chapter in, in that way. So here we come today. God's final plea, think about it, his last message in the book of Revelation, really the last message in the Bible, God's final plea. And today is part two. Now last time, last week, last Sunday, we did part one. 
And we started our outline. There's actually five headings. And last week we did the first three. Number one was the declaration. Number two was the validation. And number three was the invitation. I did a shun kind of thing here if you didn't notice. Uh, But remember number one in the declaration. We cover verses 13 through 15. How the Lord himself. He introduced himself as the Lord God Almighty. Yeah, the Lord himself makes a declaration that basically we saw in verses 13 through 15 that in the end you will either be blessed in heaven or banished to hell because of your sin. If you're if you don't have the atonement of Christ, if you're not saved. So that was the declaration. Then we saw secondly last week the validation verse 16 and Basically, the Lord himself gives a validation that it was me who sent the angel to give the book of Revelation of what we've studied all this time to give to John. It was Jesus who was behind all that. It was Jesus, the one who, 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 who had the angel bring this message to John. He was, he was the one. So he validates the whole book of Revelation and say, you know, that was me. And then he describes himself as the Messiah, basically, who came to save us from the judgments that are to come here in in what we read about and studied about. So you can say, hey, I'm the one who's sending this. I'm the holy God. I have to bring the judgment. But you know, at the same time, I'm your savior. I, I don't want you to go through these things that we study. And then we saw, thirdly, the invitation, which I think just flows beautifully into uh, Jesus saying, so come, you know, come, come and, and, and give me your life. Come and be saved. Come and be forgiven by my blood. And so we saw that invitation to come to the Lord Jesus so you can what join in with the church and other believers to say, come, Lord Jesus. Remember that? That was the main thing we saw in verse 17. Come to the Lord Jesus so you can join in and say, come, Lord Jesus. So now, today, we come into part two. And part two, we go on to four and five in our outline. And number four is the notification. And number five is the expectation. The notification is going to be from verse 18 to 19, where the Lord Jesus does not want us to tamper with the word of God. And the expectation, basically, as we finish out this chapter, the Lord affirms his promise that, you know, I am coming. I'm coming for sure. And then uh, the whole book ends with a blessing of grace. And so that's what we're going to see. So let's, let's begin here with number four in our outline, the notification the notification, that is verse 18 and 19. We're going to be covering those verses in this section. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and, and take a look at it right now. Revelation 22, verse 18 and 19. It reads, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And then verse 19, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. So we'll stop right here. So we begin today in part two here with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's, he's talking, the Lord Jesus is giving basically a, you could say, a divine notification 
Notice he says, I warn. He's giving this warning. He's notifying us of this warning. And basically in in verse 18, he says, uh, everyone or anyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book. And what is he talking about? The book of Revelation, basically. Yeah. Anyone who hears this, anyone who who reads this, goes through this as we've been going through it. Now, anyone, anyone, if anyone basically adds to them, like, oh, you know what? I, I get I have some additional prophecy to give. Yeah, uh, God gave me this additional revelation, and and we can add it to what we've read here in the Book of Revelation. It's like oh, I, I have some more stuff from God. You know, I want to put in here too. God saying, no. If anyone adds like that, well, then with the play on words here in verse eighteen, God Jesus says God will. Add, a play on words, to him the plagues. The word plagues there in original language is a a plagas, and it really means calamities. So so Jesus says God will add to him the calamities described in this book, and we saw plenty of the judgment of God. So really what God is saying that you will, uh, God will bring judgment upon you, like we saw in the book of Revelation, to anyone who adds to the book of Revelation. So the idea really here is this. See, this book, what we've been studying, Revelation, is complete. There's nothing else to put in there. There's nothing else to add. Everything that God wanted us to know is right here contained from chapter 1 to chapter 22. There's no other uh, events that God wants to prophesy about. There's no other messages, so to speak, from the Lord Jesus, but what is in here, God's word, in the book of Revelation. Now, this warning actually goes to all of Scripture, the whole Bible. I mean, remember back in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, Moses said this, You shall not add to the word that I command command you, nor take from it, and we're going to see that next, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. So we understand that, right? That, that the word, the Bible, it, it's complete. It's, it's not something to add to. Moses said it. Jesus is saying this now to the book of Revelation, and I believe we could just apply it to the whole Bible, the whole word of God. So then, in verse 19, Jesus talked about adding to the word. Now in verse 19, then Jesus says, look, if anyone takes away. In other words, like saying, well, this is not part of the, uh, the, God's message here. Yeah? This is not his message. Or I was even thinking, you know, you can take away from what God is saying here and what he intended by changing what he's saying and what he intended. Or you can take away from what God is saying when you turn it into something else. Yeah? And you change it. That, that way you're, you're, you're taking away from what the real message is, right? I mean, from the beginning, right? Satan uses that strategy. Remember in Genesis, he, he said to Eve in Genesis 3, Did God really say that? No, that's not what God meant. That's taking away, right, from what God was really uh, meaning when he said, hey, don't eat, of, don't eat of this tree, right? 
So Satan's been using that strategy for all the way from the beginning. And so that, that's the idea. So again, and with the play of words in verse 19, if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life. Now, what's the tree of life? We've been learning that in the past weeks, in our past study, when it's brought up here, like in you know chapter 21 or so, and chapter 22 earlier, that, that it's talking about eternal life, right? The tree of life is really talking about eternal life. So, so God's... Jesus is saying, you know, God will take away, say, the fruit of the tree of life. You will not be able to partake in eternal life if you take away from the word of God. And if you take away from the word of God, he says, and in the holy city, God will take away the holy city. And what's the holy city? The new Jerusalem that we study plenty about, which is our final heaven, right? All that's been described in this book, the book of revelation so in other words you will not have the blessings yeah of eternal life in heaven that we saw in revelation see if you really think about it true believers will honor and respect the bible we will we we honor it as god's word yeah but it's really unbelievers that will take it apart yeah or add things now I know what you're thinking, uh, but this is not talking about times when believers, we can misinterpret the word. Maybe it's a lack of understanding or study of the word. And sometimes we misinterpret the word and come up with wrong conclusions that aren't really uh, uh, in line with the truth and principles of the word of God. It's not talking about that. It's talking about... uh, those people, it's really directed to those who engage in deliberately falsifying the word of God and deliberately misleading people away from the truth of the word of God like Satan did with Eve. Or, and, and even they, they'll use scripture, right? Remember when um, uh, Satan came to Jesus and said, hey, the scripture says, God says this, so why don't you do it, right? You know, cast yourself down, the angels will come and save you. I mean, Sometimes I, I, I think people have said, oh, Satan knows scripture better than us, you know. And he can use it against us intentionally, yeah, engaging and falsifying, leading us astray. So it's, so it's really talking about that. So with that in mind, here's our point. The notification is warning those who would dare to tamper with the word of God and not handle it, you know what, with honor with respect. And that's really what Jesus is saying and warning here. And this is a notification, warning those who would dare to tamper with God's word and not handle it with that respect and honor, not put it in that high place. Years ago, I remember, <clears throat> a long time ago, I remember watching TV when I was young, I was Christian, and um, I remember seeing a commercial from the Mormons. And the whole commercial was saying, You know what, we have, and this is a quote, another testament of Jesus. And then they showed the picture of the Book of Mormon, right? Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's adding, right? I think that's adding. The Jehovah's Witness, you know, they don't like that John 1.1 at the end says, and the word was God, basically saying Jesus is God. 
It doesn't fit with their doctrine and theology that Jesus is God. So they put a letter A before the word God at the end of John 1.1. 1, 1, and, and they changed capital G-O-D to lowercase g-o-d. So it, it reads, was a God. Which is really going against all the Greek scholars and everything. What, what is that? We're adding, they're adding to the word of God. I even heard about <clears throat> these liberal scholars. They're called the Jesus Seminar Fellows. And they have come up in their scholarship and studies that only now, 20%, only 20% of Jesus' statements in the New Testament was from him. The rest is not him. So you can throw out 80% there in the New Testament of Jesus' words. I think that's taking away. I think it's exactly what the Lord's been talking about, exactly what, what God gave Moses to say in Deuteronomy. So do you understand how important the word is? That's why we study it here at Calvary Chapel. That's why it's so important we get into the word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And we went through the whole book of Revelation because we put the Bible in a high place. We have a high view of the Bible. It's important. It's God's word. We filter all of our thoughts and, and emotions and our perceptions and our, our own thinking of what, who God is, who we are, what salvation is. Through here, we filter it. That's the word of God. That's what we are to do. So you understand why it's important to study the Bible and know what it means. Why it's important to come church study or do your own study on the Bible. And you know what? I was thinking in light of what Jesus was saying here. It's so you and I can keep the integrity of the Bible yeah, in our own minds and heart. Then we can keep that integrity of the Bible. And I know that's our heart. We, we, we want to know God's word and we want to respect it in that way. But I also understand even as believers, we, sometimes we don't do that too well. Maybe not an intentional way of misleading people or falsifying things, but I think many times things happen in life and we get confused. And especially when we're under that crushing guilt and condemnation of failure yeah, and regret. And we get caught in this loop. And, and I'll tell you, we can add and take away just like anybody else. We, we, we can add when we, when we actually put into God's mind, yeah, well, God, I don't think you love me anymore. Oh, God, I, I know you're judging me and, and you're condemning me. And I know, God, that you're, you're done with me. You ever have those thoughts, you know, those times of condemnation and failure? You, you ever go through that, that kind of spiral, you know, and, and, and we put these thoughts in God's mind, but we're really adding to God's word. But the reality is God loves us, yeah, with that everlasting love. That we know Romans 8, 39, nothing can separate us from that love. The reality is Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because we've been forgiven, we've been cleansed, we're, we're his child now, right? Ephesians 2.10, that we are actually his workmanship. And even in our failure, Romans 8.28, he's working all things together for good. And he's working something in our lives. 
So we have to be careful when we put those thoughts into to God's mind, even in our failure, that we're adding really to what the Word of God says. Yeah? We can take away too. We take away the power of God in our lives with, with toxic thoughts that fill our, our minds with our sin and oh, our, our, we're unredeemable. Yeah? We forget 1 John 1, 9 that we can confess our sins and He'll forgive us. Yeah? We forget the reality that Jesus cleanses us from all sins. And, and the truth is, this is the reality, this is the truth. God is saying to us, no matter what, Look, my plans for you are not evil, but for peace, for life, for a future, and what? A hope. Jeremiah 29, 11, right? Yeah. That's the power of God working in us. And if you think, think about this, when God told Israel, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know what was going on? They were going into captivity. They were going into captivity because they... Uh, were being judged by the Lord because of their sin. That was the consequences. They're going into captivity. But also in the prophecy is that, hey, but it'll be 70 years, I'm going to bring you back into the land. So even in their failure, God's saying, look, hey, you know what my thoughts? It's not evil. It's for peace. It's for life. It's for future and a hope. Yeah, That's the reality that's the truth. That's how we can add. That's how we can take away. So we need to be careful when things in life happen, our trials, our troubles, and all of a sudden we're, we're looking at God in a way that He's not. Yeah? And we're looking at ourselves even, even in a way that we're not. And you know what happens? When you begin to add to the word, take away, and a lot of you guys, hey, you know the word. You've been Christians for a while, and you know verses, and sometimes you use the verses even against you, and that's not what it's there for, to condemn you more. But when we start adding a takeaway in, in that way, when we add to the truth, take away to the truth, you know what happens? We create this false reality in our minds. We create this false reality, and we believe that to be true. But it's a lie. We, we, we start existing in this false reality. It's like, um, you know, on the like movies and stuff, the alternate reality. That's, that's what it is, but it's in our own mind and we start living it like that. But we got to get back to the true reality of what the Word of God says. And that's the reality. That's what's important. So we must not tamper with God's word in our mind. All right, so we see the notification, number four. Well, let's go to number five, the expectation now. The expectation. Now, we're going to finish up Revelation with these two verses, and this is our last section, the last two verses. But let's first look at verse 20. Verse 20. Jesus goes on to say, He who testifies to these things... Surely I am coming soon. And then we see, Amen, come, Lord Jesus. Now, <clears throat> this is like the, the last recorded words of Jesus in the book of Revelation. Think about this. This is his last words, last message. Uh, if, if the Bible is a video, it would be his last video you know, that he posted, right? But also, this is the last words, you know what? Of the, his words of the Bible. Think about that. 
And, and, and look what he's saying. He who testifies, Jesus, hey, I'm the one who's speaking here. What he, we, we saw last week, I'm the Lord, God Almighty, the one who gave you the word, the revelation. It's he who's saying this here. This is, this is the reality. It's not fake. This is real. And then he says, surely I am coming soon. Remember that word soon? It's imminent. It's, 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 it's at any moment, just around the corner. And if you think about Jesus, the Lord God Almighty, saying these things, that this is for certain. Yeah? It's not like Jesus saying, well, you know, I, I might come soon. I'll think about it. I might come. No, this is for certain Jesus. He's saying, I'm coming. I'm coming, you guys. No matter what happens to the world, I'm not backing down here. Yeah? I'm not backing down from the plan. No, no, I mean what I say. So it's like Jesus is saying, I promise you this. I'm coming very, very soon. What a last message there, right? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. What a last message that Jesus is telling us in the last message of the Bible and Revelation. Hey, I'm coming soon. And then we see at the end of verse 20, John writes this. And I believe John's just reflecting and echoing what believers and saints through all the ages have said. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Come, Jesus. Oh, amen. Come. Please come. Please come right now. Amen. So be it. I'm there. I'm with you there. Come soon. Yeah, me too. I really want you to come. And that's why John writes, Come, Lord Jesus. Yeah, come. Come now. Come soon. You know? Yes. Notice that this is really like the last recorded prayer of Revelation. And the last recorded prayer of the Bible even. Remember, Revelation is the last book of the Bible. And it's a prayer of, Amen, come, Lord Jesus. You're, you're, you're the object of our hearts, you know. You're the one, one we love. We want you more than anything, come. We want Satan to be defeated, come. We want evil in this world to be done, come, Lord Jesus. Come, come, come. So here's something I want you to think about. <clears throat> what we read in verse 20, this, this tells us that everything now that we studied in Revelation is going to come to pass, right? Jesus is saying, look, this is me talking. I'm coming for sure. And so if you think about it, everything that we studied in Revelation is going to come to pass. It's going to come true. It's going to happen soon. The idea is like if, if Jesus says he's coming soon, then it means all the predicted events before his coming will also come to pass also. And all the predicted events that we saw in Revelation after his coming will happen also, right? Everything has to. It's, it, it, it's really that, that, that main uh, pinnacle uh, of Jesus returning, the things that happened before and the things that happened after, it, it, it if that happens, Jesus comes, then everything else is going to happen. You know, we learned plenty here in the book of Revelation. We started this study back in January of 2021. It's 2021. And I counted, including this study today, we've done 64. This will be 64 today. 
So it, it's been a great study for me personally. It's, it's been wonderful to get into this message. If you missed any of that, you can catch it on our podcast, Spotify, or go to YouTube channel. But it's all there. But we have learned a lot in this book of the events, right, that are going to happen and Jesus' return and what's going to happen after that. Do you remember the basic outline of this book? The basic outline is things you've seen, things that are, and things that will take place. I mentioned that early on in our study. Chapter 1 was things you have seen. John was to write down things you have seen, uh, which what did he see in chapter 1? The Lord Jesus Christ come to him. And then chapter 2 and 3 are things that are. That was the letters to the churches of of what was going on. And also we looked at that. It could be a a reflection of the churches through the ages. It could be a reflection of what's going on now. And I think it's that today. I think there's there's a a Philadelphia church. I think the the church is moving into and is at the Laodicea church, the lukewarm church. I think in general the body is, is lukewarm for Jesus. They're into other things today and then from chapter 4 through the end here 22 it's the things that will take place and oh what a journey that was learning right the rapture happening i believe in chapter 4 verse 1 we saw the seven seals seven trumpets seven bowls of judgments all poured out we saw we talked about the rise of the one world leader the antichrist the false prophet we we saw uh, I, lo- I love chapter 12 you guys where we saw this overview of the history for, of satan and his spiritual battle and his evil in the world just this overall all, all battle against israel trying to get israel just gave me just a, a, a good overview of what had been going on throughout history we saw the worship of the Antichrist. We saw Israel, right, come to believe in Jesus Christ. And God protected them throughout the persecution of the Antichrist. We, we talked about that. So amazing it is. And then when all the Antichrist and his armies and all the armies are coming together and they're going to uh, fight each other, then they turn when G- Jesus, they see Jesus, they turn on Christ. Chapter 19, right? We see the return of Jesus Christ. Remember, that was our theme. The majestic return of Christ. That was our theme for the whole book of Revelation. Because it's all about that. And then after that, he comes, sets up the millennium. We have the great white throne judgment. And then we saw the old earth and old universe just burned up. And a new heaven and new earth. And the new Jerusalem, our final heaven, come into this whole eternal realm so you see all this that we we saw was really surrounding yeah jesus's return and jesus says hey i'm coming soon and if jesus says he's coming soon then you know what all that is in here is going to start happening soon it can start right away So here's the first thing I want you to see here. The expectation is when Jesus promises he's coming soon, then all that surrounds his coming is also coming soon. Right? So that's what makes this so exciting. The rapture, we be home with Jesus, yeah? That the end is near, the end of the world as we know it. But then Jesus is going to bring in this 
whole new millennium where he's ruling and reigning on earth. And so that should move us, you guys. Yeah? If Jesus says, I'm coming soon, then everything else is going to start rolling. You know, before um, Christmas <coughs> last year, uh, my parents, uh, we call her Gigi now, great-grandma, great because um, I have grand, grandkids now, and uh, Gigi texted me and said, oh, we're going to be there soon. And she texted because she was excited, you know, for a whole family get together. She get to see the, 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 her great-grandchildren for the first time, you know, for real and all of that. So she was super excited. And, and I'll tell you, we were excited too, but I'll, we were also motivated. <laughs> because, you know, we had to clean the house, arrange things, you know, organize and get their room ready for their coming. Yeah? Well, in the same way, we are excited for the promise of Jesus, that this expectation. He is coming soon, but it should motivate us to get ready. It should motivate us to get ready for his coming. You know, we need to get at doing what he wants us to be doing. We need to get at being, now, not just the doing, but being the person God wants us to be. We've got to stop this add and take away. I'll tell you another thing <clears throat> that I think we do is we can take away things we don't like the Bible says yeah, and add and replace it with our own thought. We can pick and choose yeah, so that we can live in this reality. Maybe it's with sin, compromise. Maybe it's with some idolatry, meaning, oh, you're into something or someone else. We, we can do the same in that way. But I feel today with this expectation that Jesus is promising, he's coming and everything's going to start unfolding fast. Yeah, It's not like we have uh, like 10, 20 years, oh yeah, you know, when I'm older, I'm going to get my life more better and more right. Yeah, No, it's right now today. And we've got to stop adding and taking away and get into the right reality yeah. of living. Living in the true reality of what God really intended for us as new creations, as people of God. Jesus is coming soon, and he's calling us in that way to be ready. Because these events are going to unfold, and when they unfold, there's no stopping. There's no stopping. Turn over to Mark. Turn over to the left to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. In the Gospels, Matthew, in the New Testament, Matthew, and then there's Mark 13. And look at verse 32 and verse 33. Mark 13, verse 32 and 33. Here in Mark 13, verse 32, it says, But concerning that day or hour that no, no, one, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor son, the Son, but only the Father. In other words, no one knows when that's going to happen. Verse 33, be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. What we do know, it's going to be soon, but we don't know the exact timing of that, when that's going to happen. So because of that, because we don't know the exact time, we got to be on guard. we got to be alert. we got to be watchful 
of our own lives and what we're allowing ourselves to get into, to believe in, to compromise with. We got to stay awake. Yeah. In other words, we, we, we got to be living that life, not sleepily compromising, being lukewarm. No, we got to be alive with the life of Christ in us, living that life. He wants us to live, to be that person and becoming that person that He wants us to be today. Let's not be lazy spiritually. Let's not be lazy with how we handle the Word. But let's make that effort and step up and live for Jesus today. Today is the day. All right, let's go back to Revelation chapter 22 and now verse 21. Verse 21 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Amen. Here John now is writing. He's closing off this letter. Remember, this is really this long letter, but it's a book to us. And he closes with a blessing. So when Revelation closes, we get a promise. The promise of God is coming, and we get a blessing. And the blessing he gives is the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Grace, we know, is God's unmerited favor. That's the technical definition, or I like to say God's undeserved love. Yeah. We know mercy is not, is not getting what we deserve. We deserve judgment, right? But God holds back that judgment, gives us time to respond, to grow, to, 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 to receive Jesus. Mercy is not getting what you deserve, but grace is actually receiving what you don't deserve. That's his love. And his love, I'll tell you, is agape love. It's a love that, that transcends your sins and failures. and It's unconditional. He, he just wants to love you. So that's the grace yeah, that John closes with. And it's for what? To be with all. Everyone. Everyone. Believers, because we've been saved by grace, right? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And we also live daily by the grace of God. And the grace goes out to the unsaved so that they may be saved by grace and live daily by the grace of God. But you know what I love here? Look how the book of Revelation ends with what? Grace. Yeah? The thought of grace. And then think about this. Really, verse 21 is the last verse in our Bibles. So look at how the whole Bible ends with this thought of grace. And no wonder John says, amen to that. Amen to that. You know, I was thinking about how Genesis, the first book of the Bible, is known as the book of beginnings. You can say Revelation, the last book of the Bible, is the book of completion. The book of completion. Genesis began with the creation of the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1 and 1, right? Revelation, what? Revelation gave us the destruction of the heavens and earth in Revelation 20.11. And Revelation also showed there's a new creation of the heavens and the earth in Revelation 21.1. Genesis introduced us to Satan's evil presence on the earth. Genesis 3. Revelation shows his end when Satan is 
thrown into the lake of fire. Can't wait for that day in Revelation 20. Genesis records the entrance of sin into the world, right? And the consequence of death. Genesis 3 again. Revelation, we learn where there is no more sin and no more death. Death is cast into the lake of fire in Revelation 20, 14. Genesis gives us how the curse was placed upon all creation. Genesis 3, 17 through 19. But isn't this great in Revelation? We saw in Revelation 22, it's where the curse is finally removed. Genesis is where sorrows really began. Yeah? But Revelation is where sorrows end. Revelation 21, 4. Genesis, we saw the prophecy of the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, in Genesis 3.15. And in Revelation, we see the Redeemer return for the redeemed to bring him home and also to set up his kingdom for the redeemed on the earth. And then go to heaven. Isn't this awesome? We see throughout this whole book that this, this plan of God, you know. And in the end, we see God went out with grace and also calling us to grace. Our last point is this. The expectation is when history all comes to its end, it will be the completion of God's plan of grace. That's what it is. That's what, we don't deserve this, you guys. It's God's mercy even today that, 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 that you were able to come to Jesus and God waited for you. It's, it, it's His grace that has kept us going in the Lord and in Christ. It's His grace that is wrapped up with His love that we are worth something, that we can find security in, that we can... Go on in the life we live right now knowing that God loves us and he's there for us. And it's all about grace. And it's all about God's plan of grace that he brought throughout this whole time in bringing Jesus to save us from our sins and in in the end to bring us to that final heaven. James Montgomery Boyce wrote this, From God's point of view, history is nothing more or less than the record of man's complete ruin in uh, sin and God's perfect remedy in Christ, which is the sum and substance of the gospel. So I hope as we end the book of Revelation here on grace, we can say amen. Amen, God. Amen to you, grace. As As the whole Bible ends with this thought of grace, that we can say amen because this is God's heart. This is his heart. I mean, we we see a lot of judgment and and all that calamity and catastrophe and revelation, but his heart is to save us from that because of his grace. He is holy. He is righteous. He, He has to, right, bring judgment. He has to deal with sin. There's consequences to, let me say it this way, unatoned sin. And the only way we could have atonement for our sin is in Jesus Christ. So God is loving. 
God desires that no one perish. So right at the end of Revelation, at the end of the Bible, Jesus still reaches out with grace. Saying, look, come. You can be saved. You can be forgiven. There's atonement for your sin. So the Bible ends really with that thought, with the thought of grace. That's it, Lord, guys. Finished. Revelation. Woohoo! All this time. Amazing it's been. And even the Bible ends that way. That just warms my heart to who our God is and the one we worship. Well, as the Bible ends with grace, I want to end with what this former slave captain, John Newton, said. And what he wrote, really. It was, it's, it's words to probably the most famous hymn. And you guys know this. But I'm going to close with this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And I'll read again. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. This is, this is it. Grace, God's call, God's final plea. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, <clears throat> we are humbled by your grace. We are humbled by your mercy. We are humbled, really, God, by your love and how much love you pour out on us. Even when I know I feel I don't deserve it, I'm not worthy of it, I, 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 I shouldn't receive it, have it, but yet that's what grace is. I get something I don't deserve. I get your love. Sometimes it's hard to receive. Sometimes I put into my mind, we, we all do this, we put into our mind, we got to do something for it. God, I, 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 I ought to do something. But then we're adding to the word of God because it is a gift, your salvation, your forgiveness. And Lord, we don't want to add, nor even take away to what you've done on dying on the cross. You paid for all of our sins. You paid in full the penalty that I was supposed to pay and couldn't. I don't want to take away from that, thinking that I could do something. But Lord, in just pure belief, Lord, accepting that you have done these things in just pure faith. God, we, we trust in you. And we hear your call, Lord. Oh, Lord, wash us, Lord. Wash our minds of false thinking. They're just lies rolling around in there. 
but put into our minds the truths of your word, God, that you do love us and you did something to save us. And that's the only way, but you're there loving on us that we would receive it. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for anyone right now, whether connected online, listening maybe later to this uh, video or message, or even anyone here, God, that never received you, Jesus, that this would be the moment right now to just pray a simple prayer to ask for forgiveness, to ask for cleansing of sin, to turn and repent of sin, to give their life to you, and to surrender all and receive you into their lives. God, you're still saving people and you're here right now, pleading and then saving. I pray that many would respond. And Lord, for the rest of us, we want to surrender, God. We want to, as we sang earlier, give our life over, especially now because you're coming soon. More and more, Lord, not holding anything back, but being, doing exactly who you're making us to be now as children of God. Thank you, Jesus. Here we are. In in your name we pray. Amen.